Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 124, What Losing My Insight Showed Me About Feeling Versus Knowing. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, welcome back to Changeable. So before I get started, I should warn you that as I record this, um, there's a Green Bay Packers football game on, and you might hear some very uh, manly screaming (laughs) or crying, perhaps, you never know, uh, faintly in the background. And I will not really be able to edit it out. Um, So just in case, just in case you hear that, that's what's going on. Uh, Yeah, I can't really explain it, but it happens every Sunday through the fall. And it's, it's just the world we live in. So, um, so that's that. I, I want to talk about something I've talked about a little bit. I've talked about it a bit with the little school of big change community at times, um, not too often. And I wrote about it actually for my new book and then ended up throwing all those chapters away. So what I'm going to share today will not be in the new book, but it was almost going to be. Um, And it's about an experience I had, really a huge, massive, I don't know, insight almost doesn't really feel like it captures it. I mean, a massive insight, a huge kind of mind-blowing, consciousness-altering experience I had when I was 16. And uh, how things went, in particular, after, after that experience was over. And what influenced this, again, I talk about it from time to time. Um, but today, what kind of prompted me to, to create an episode around this is a question I got through Ask Amy from a woman who um, had a similar experience. So in February, she and, and she wrote me the question in like October or November. So, so eight or nine months ago, she had you know, some really big insights and really saw some things and was feeling very different in her everyday life, seeing things differently, like the whole, you know how it is, the whole veil of the habitual thinking and the everyday stuff had kind of dropped away and everything looked brighter and nicer and newer and and she was loving it. And then little by little, her her habitual old thinking came back as it does. And she was kind of struggling with that, worrying about never having another insight, just kind of trying to get her head around that whole adjustment. And um, and I could relate because I've been there in a big way. Um, yeah, and so I thought it it might be cool to talk about this story, especially again, since it's not going to make it into the book. So when I was 16... Um, I'll I'll give a little bit of backstory, not that it's all that important, but my my sister and I uh, were in a car accident, and my sister's younger than me. She's two years younger than me, so I was 16. I could drive. She could not drive, um, but even though she's younger than me, she beat me up forever. <laughs> like She's just tough, and she's mentally and emotionally tough, and I wasn't as much. And, um, yeah, she would just threaten me. <laughs> she, it's so funny. She would, she would just threaten me all the time. And I would just say, okay, okay, whatever, you know, whatever I have to do, just don't hurt me. Um, she's a loving, 
a loving woman now and and we have a, a nice friendship. But um and we actually did back then too, but she just, you know, I just always knew and she always knew that she could just give me that little look or kind of like, you know, ball up her fist at me and I would just do whatever she wanted me to do. So that's what happened. Uh, my, no one was home at my house and it was kind of a rainy day and, and she wanted to go um, buy makeup at, at a, like a drugstore, like a Walgreens, CVS kind of drugstore that we have here. Um because she really wanted makeup and, and I had the driver's license. So she asked me to go and I'm like, oh, I don't really feel like it. I just don't want to go. It's raining and I just don't feel like it. And then she told me <laughs> we were going to go. She stopped asking, <laughs> stopped asking and said, no, we're going. And it was the weirdest thing that I just really didn't want to go. And there was no reason for it. And in fact, you know, I remember to this day the feeling of feeling like I was walking through really heavy sludge to even walk to the car, pulling out of the driveway, like driving. It felt like like there was so much resistance, like everything was saying, don't go. But, you know, besides the, the threat of being beaten up by my little sister, I just didn't know to trust that stuff. I I went through it in my head and I remember doing this so clearly. Like, why? Like, just go. It'll just be easier. She won't beat you up. You'll be home in 45 minutes. It's not a big deal. I would talk myself out of things as we do sometimes, you know, and and I really did then because I had had no real idea about following anything other than logic. So, I kept saying I didn't want to go as I was driving there. And um, it, because it was kind of gray and raining, I pulled out right in front of a car going fast, like 60 miles an hour. Um, it was like a silver car and it didn't have any headlights on. So it was kind of easy for me to miss, you know, given that it was gray and raining. Um, but I pulled out right in front of it and we ended up going, we were, we were okay. We ended up uh, going to the hospital ambulance um, and my sister had like this, <laughs> this is kind of off the top. She had this weird like plug. We didn't know where the plug came from. Like where, it's stuck in her leg. So her calf, I know this sounds really disgusting, but her calf, there was like a plug. I don't know how else to describe it. I didn't know if it was like underneath, you know, she was in the passenger seat in the front seat. It was like under the glove compartment area there where her legs would be. No one knew, but it it wasn't life-threatening. It was fine. Um, but I remember that, and I say that because as soon as the car stopped spinning, like we hit a guardrail and we stopped spinning, I just kind of looked around. I looked at her. We were like, okay, we're alive. And then I saw that plug in her leg, and that's when I sort of felt all of my pain. It was almost like, just being in shock until I saw that. And then it was all over, Um, which I think is a really interesting example of how it was there the whole time, right? Like my pain was there the whole time, but I literally didn't feel it until my mind had, had a context for it, you know, until my mind started thinking about it basically. So anyway, we were fine. Um, 
my car was not fine. I had spent every penny I had ever made my entire life, babysitting, birthday money, like everything on this $1,200 uh, Chrysler LeBaron that was so cute. I loved that little, it was a piece of junk, but it, I loved my car. Um, so my car was completely totaled. But in the weeks after this, um, I, I had something that I guess you would call PTSD. Um, if you want to call it something, where I just was crying all the time and I had no idea why. And going back to school and like people had heard about it, you know, or in high school and I didn't have a car anymore. And like people had heard about the accident and everything. And I just couldn't even talk about it. I don't know. I just felt really depressed and was crying all the time. And I was scared to death to drive. Luckily, my mom made me drive. Um, like the very next day, she made me start driving, which I hated her for, but I think it was a, a good thing. So my fear of driving didn't last for too long. But um, and I was just kind of a wreck for a while. And my mom had recently done the Landmark Forum. And um, she thought I should do it because I was crying all the time. So I don't I don't, I'm sure people are familiar with it. I don't need to go into it that much, but it's basically just a weekend seminar type thing where, um, where they kind of, I guess, help you see some stuff around your thinking. I mean, to be honest, I'm not really sure what they do. I'm not sure how I would make sense of it or, or characterize it today. Um, but except for some of the parts that are really memorable, like they don't let you leave the room and you have to enroll a bunch of people. And, you know, there are some things that people don't love about it that I didn't love about it. Um, but the experience itself, going there and, and learning that, um, I don't even know what I learned. See, it's hard to even say that, that we live in stories, basically, you know, that there's what happened and then there's your story about what happened and that we live in our story about what happened. And, of course we do, you know, we know that now. And so I, she, she talked me into going to this weekend. My sister went too, so she lied about her ages. I don't think we were supposed to go at 14 and 16 to the adult version because they had a teen version. But um, <laughs> I think she lied about her ages and we went to that one. And, you know, we both kind of hated it the whole way through, like while we were there. But something had shifted, in particular for Carla, my sister, when she came home from that, she was like a, kind of a different person initially. I mean, she she was, yeah, like she just was nice. <laughs> she wasn't beating me up all the time. Um, yeah, a lot had shifted for her. And again, this is like, imagine a 14-year-old kid, you know, so she's just kind of waking up to some of this stuff. And we just saw a difference. And I, on the other hand, was just really pissed off. I was like... I spent a whole weekend on this. I, you know, I, these people are now calling me all the time. Like the, there's just kind of things about the program I didn't love uh, that I felt my mom had sort of forced me into. And I just didn't think I got anything from it. And then I was really mad to see that my sister did. Like, what's that about? That's not fair. And and so my mom encouraged me to call them. And And so I called them. They have a whole team of people who are answering questions and enrolling people and all of that. Um, so I called them and I said, yeah, I just spent the whole weekend there and I didn't get anything from it. And I'm, I'm kind of upset. And the guy on the phone walked me through this 
exercise type thing. Um, <laughs> it, there's nothing to it. I mean, I don't even know. I, I I do remember parts of it. If you've done the forum, you would probably remember parts of this exercise. But there's nothing magical about it. There's nothing really to it. Um, but when I did this on the phone with him, something like something changed. Something I had an insight. My my angry, habitual, old, mad thought fell away. And over the course of the next, I want to say maybe week or so, um, I I just felt like a completely different person. I didn't feel it wasn't that I was a completely different person. It was that like life. I suddenly really really saw that my former experience of life was all made of habitual thought. And I wouldn't have said it this way. That's why it's sort of weird to talk about now because I'm saying it from the words that make sense to me now. I didn't see it that way then, or I wouldn't have said it that way then. But what happened was things like, you know, I went back to high school and you know how it is in high school. Like you you kind of have the people that you're friends with and the people that you're not. In my school, I had known, you know, most of these people for a long time. And it, it was fine. It's just how it works, you know? Like you talk to your friends and you kind of don't talk to other people. And it's just high school. <laughs> and I I went back to high school and that looked crazy to me. And I just spontaneously with absolutely no insecurity at all would just go sit in the lunchroom of all things with like people that I had never really talked to and just strike up a conversation. I mean, that's a big deal when you're 16 and you have your group of friends and you're suddenly just going and sitting with people that you've seen maybe, you know, for, since since elementary school, but never spoken with. And and just kind of like, it just looked to me like, wow, all of these people are amazing and they're all the same. And why in the world would I still talk to these five every day or something, you know, or these 20, whatever it was, and not these 320. And and so I just didn't. <laughs> and it was, it was weird and it was cool. And, um, and that's just one thing. So, I mean, I don't know, like everything really began to look different. And and it all sort of culminated in, I don't know that this was the culmination, but this was sort of the peak of it that I remember is one night, and this is again, just within a span of a, a few days after I had talked with that guy, um, I the finale of Seinfeld was on. And I don't know if you if if you aren't in the U.S. I think Seinfeld was most likely still a thing for you. Maybe not quite as much as it was here, but if you remember in the '90s when Seinfeld ended, um, it was a really really big deal, and people were saying like this was the best show ever written, the best show ever created. There was incredible hype for the finale, and. I remember, I don't remember if I was actually, actually watched the finale or it was just, you know, around the whole hype of it. But I remember being in my bedroom and absolutely knowing without any question at all that I had the ability to create something like Seinfeld. And 
it had nothing to do with me. So when I say I had the ability, I saw that anyone, I saw it for myself, but in terms of myself, but I saw that there, there was something that we were all plugged into that ran through every single human on the face of the earth. And some people kind of let it light them up and live them. And other people kind of went back to a corner in a, in a sense, like they, like it was still there lighting them up and living them, but they, we, all of us at times, like couldn't quite look at it or let it in or I don't know. I don't know. It's again, I'm, I'm telling the story, what, 30 years later. So, um, I only have the words that are in my, in my vocabulary now to explain something. This is not necessarily how it looked then, but but the realization really kind of extended. It started with, oh my gosh, I could literally create Seinfeld to, I could do anything in the world. Like every single limitation was just blown away. And, you know, what people often wonder or ask is like, oh, well, well, you couldn't just go join the MBA. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, no, I didn't have any desire to join the MBA, so that's fine. But what I did truly see was that there were a ton of things that that did, had, or may sort of show up as an inclination or a desire at any point in my life. And there would literally be nothing real holding me back from any of those. I knew it like I, I mean, I just knew it with absolutely zero doubt. Now, even then, I think I had this sense that, oh, people just think they don't have this ability, so they don't do those things. You know, people get scared. People don't trust it. People people go back to their habitual thinking. That's why we talk to the same 20 people every day in high school, you know, but but there's no actual obstacle. There's no actual limitation at all. And it was, I mean, it was amazing. It was amazing to have this experience at, at 16 when I was at the peak of, insecurity and everything was about me, which I'm sure now looking back is why these insights, they still were about me, but it wasn't only about me, if that makes sense. Like what I saw was like, oh, everybody has this ability. But the way I heard it and felt it was still very much about me and my life, which is fine. And again, I mean, I think that's probably just my whole life was about me. <laughs> so of course, of course, my insights might sound that way as well. Um, and so it was, yeah, it, it was, it was crazy. And so um, I lived in that for, I, I honestly don't know, but I want to say maybe a week or so, maybe two weeks. And little by little, my everyday, oh, um, I don't talk to those people. I, it wasn't even like that, but like, oh, let me just go sit with my friends. Let me do what I do. You know, that stuff just kind of came back and fear and insecurity and all of that just very slowly, very gradually kind of crept back in. And within, again, I don't really know time, but I'm going to say within a month or six weeks or something, I kind of was just back to me, you know? And and I remembered, in a, I remembered what I had seen and I things did look different on some level. 
But on a moment-to-moment, day-to-day level, they didn't look all that different. So, um, so this wasn't a big deal for me. Just went on with my life, and I took the good from it that I, from what I had seen. Um, but at some point, I started to get like when life got harder. Several years later, um, I got really mad. I was super angry that I had, like the way it looked to me was, why would I have that experience and then have it ripped away? So what I did was try to recreate the experience, of course, of course, right? I was constantly trying to recreate exactly what I'd felt before. And so I went back to the Landmark Forum and got absolutely nothing from it the second time around. Now, again, if you're a Landmark Forum employee or fan, this is just my experience, just my opinion. Um, I, I am hesitant to tell this story because I know, like to, to name them and name that, uh, because I know that it's our natural human psychological tendency to be thinking, okay, what did she do and when can I sign up next? <laughs> like I, I want some of that. And so I am going to the Landmark Forum. And I, that's just, this is the point of my story, right? Is I did that too. It's I I put it all on those words and that stupid exercise, which again, looking at it now, it doesn't. It's just it's just nothing. It's you know, it's some words. I mean, it obviously they know what they're doing, and it was obviously helpful in some ways. And again, the whole forum was in some ways, but it it truly, I know now that it was not that because I've spent the last 30 years in this field and doing this work and, and I've, and it's not that per se, it's not that package. You don't have to go do the forum uh, in order to have this kind of experience. I've seen people and I've had similar experiences and seen people have them and in a much more kind of sustainable way, I think through other things, especially what I share and talk about. So, um, so it isn't that, but again, for, years, I didn't know that. So I was just mad. I was just mad. It was like, why would I get this little glimpse behind the curtain to see all that's possible and how amazing life is only to live in almost the opposite in a lot of ways for the next, I don't know, 10, 15 years, you know, from 25 to 35 it was hard for me in a lot of ways. And, and and I just couldn't, I just couldn't get past, I couldn't make sense of it. And so, again, I, I was just seeking like crazy and I was trying to recreate exactly what I had experienced. And of course, every time I went back to the recreation of it, it, it never did anything for me because I don't think it did anything for me to begin with. It it was a, a pointer into something that was just waiting to, to be had. But years later, when I went back to those pointers saying, okay, give me what I got had before, of course that wasn't going to work. It doesn't work that way. Of course it wasn't going to work. So I got really, really angry. And this is around the time, you know, around the time that I even came across the principles. I was still angry about this. And I remember talking to some people about it and being like, help me make sense of this. Like, why would that happen? You know, why would I have these glimpses and this huge opportunity and then just have it taken away? And no one could really answer that, but but they all sort of said like, um, 
well, I don't know. <laughs> As in, well, who cares? You know, don't worry about it. Why are you worried about it? And that was not a satisfactory answer to me at all. Like, what do you mean you don't know? Like, give me something, you know? But the sentiment behind it was like, well, you don't have to worry about that. There are mysteries in life. You know, there are things we don't know. And, uh, and so... Somehow, now this is where, this is not a smooth transition in the story, but this is just how it's playing out. So somewhere in there from being angry to to being kind of more part of this conversation, again, continuing, not looking back anymore so much at, let me see if those words would do it again, or let me see if that teacher's still around, or let me see if that program would do it again. I realized that wasn't going to happen, and I was still just angry that I couldn't recreate it. But I continue to, you know, be curious about these things and look in this direction. Something really, really shifted. And it just shifted, you know, maybe 10 years ago or so um, to where I realized that apparently we aren't supposed to live in that experience. Or, or, you know, I don't even like to say it like we're supposed to. I don't know what we're supposed to do. But... But we don't. My experience was really, really common, really common. The more I talk with people, and again, it start, it, I, I didn't get like a satisfactory an- answer as to why this happened to me, which is what I was looking for. My mind made it all about me. And it's like, why am I being punished? And, and Okay, well, there's not an answer to that. That was all my own thinking, demanding, you know, an answer to that question. But what I did start to see is that it, there is, it does make sense. You know, it does make sense that the veil of thinking that we live behind falls away and we see clearly. And apparently the veil starts to come back because that's what's, that's what it means to be human. Now, again, I don't, I'm not saying like this is the meaning of life or this is the meaning in it, but I only say that's that's what happens and apparently it's supposed to because that's what happens. That's what happens for people is we get a glimpse and 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 we still have a mind that thinks all the time and we still get caught up in thought at times. And sometimes we get really caught up in thought when we say this shouldn't be happening, but it's still just this one simple little process that there is this huge, amazing truth and freedom there. And sometimes we see it and sometimes we don't. And I have to imagine again, because so many human beings go in and out of that. I think we all do our entire life. Sometimes we see it, sometimes we don't. A lot of times we don't, that there has to be some perfection in that. It's not a punishment. I mean, it's not about us. It's not about us doing something wrong. I can't there's no way it could be that. So it is apparently just the way that it's meant to be when we have thinking minds that are able to to create so many different realities for us. It's kind of amazing that they can create they can create, you know, realities that are angry and upset and thinking life isn't fair and that are the realities that our mind is creating are blocking us from what's really there. But we want this creative ability, don't we? I mean, we want to we want to live a life where we can we can have any experience at any time. And we do. We absolutely do. 
It's just sometimes we get mad that our experiences aren't more like that one instead of this one. So somewhere along the line, I came to have a complete 180 with my my feelings about this experience. And it came to look as it does now, like, wow, I am so grateful and was so lucky to have that glimpse because it showed me what is ultimately true. I'm not going to live in that. It's fine. But I know that it's there. And the more that I know that it's there because I've actually felt it, I don't need to live in it. See, that's the difference. I used to think I need to live in this feeling all the time. This is where it's really at. This is where I get to have a great life. But what's so amazing about this understanding in general that we're looking at, not just about my experience, but in general, I think one of the biggest things I've seen and that others have seen is that what we're thinking and feeling in any given moment doesn't really matter. Who cares if you're feeling really angry and pissed off? Who cares if you're feeling really hopeful or really hopeless? None of that is the truth of life. Something like what I glimpsed is closer. I'm not saying that's the truth of life either, but man, like a bunch of veils fell away and I saw something really amazing in those moments. And just to know that that is true is enough because it shows us when we aren't in that and it shows us that our suffering and our pain now is not the truth. I hope that, like that's huge, 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 huge to see that, that it's not about what we feel moment to moment, which by design is always gonna be changing. It's about what, what we know, whether we feel it or not. I just talked with someone um, who was telling me about going to Zion National Park with her husband. And there's this spot apparently where there's like no light pollution and it's just the most amazing stars ever. You know, I just, I can't wait to go. (laughs) It's just the way she described it, like the most incredible stars. And so they went out and they lay down, you know, and they go kind of at dusk and there's no stars and there's no stars and there's no stars and they're waiting and waiting. And suddenly as it just falls dark enough, everything just explodes into light around her and all of these stars are visible. And she was sharing with me kind of similar to what I was just sharing with you that it was huge for her to see, oh my gosh, the stars were always there. When we're laying here saying, what time is it? Is this, is this going to happen? Like, is it dark already? What's going on here? The stars were right there. I just couldn't see them. And I think, I don't know, you know, I think that's, in some ways, I think this is what helps us see more is to, I don't want to call it an attitude, but to kind of um, step into this sort of way of, of seeing things a little bit, where we're less focused on what we happen to be seeing or feeling in any given moment, because again, that's always changing anyway, and where we give less weight and less credibility and less 
less attention to what's always changing and moving. And we turn more toward what is always there, even when we don't see it. Like there's no better way, right, than than to start to know that, intimately know what's there, even when we aren't seeing it or feeling it. And to just get a, a feel for what a difference that makes, where it doesn't really matter that I'm sitting here thinking that, you know, I have all these limits and I can't do things I want to do and all the stuff our mind might be telling us. And, you know, all the ways our mind might be just having us feel very small and very powerless. But when we know that that's not the case, we have enough suspicion that we just aren't locked into that. And listen, you don't have have to have an experience like I had, a really big one that lasted a couple weeks, to know that that's not the case. This is what happens, I think, as we as we look in this direction. I mean, we just saw it. We just ended a six-week course of a little school of big change in just six weeks of, of saying, hey, there's more than how things appear. There's more going on than what you see. That's it. I can't make anyone see what's invisible. You know, all we can do is keep saying, hey, there's something else there. Keep keep sensing. Keep like keep a little bit focused in that direction. Be curious. Be curious about what's there. And what do you know? Like people feel it. People sense it. And it helps. So again, it's not this these massive insights that necessarily do it um, or that are necessary for it. You know, it's it's just having that eye there. I have a couple friends who um, just did ayahuasca, which is a very, a very similar thing for them. You know, they spent a few days with this medicine and had as remarkable experiences of life. And then the medicine wears off and their thinking kind of comes back and they're back here. But what one of them was telling me that they saw in this was, oh, we're not meant to live in that state. Otherwise, we would be. We're not meant to live in that completely expanded, wide open state. At best, we get to know that it's there as intimately as any of us can, however that looks. And then we're going to not live in that state quite a bit of the time. But that is different. (laughs) Like the not living in it is okay once we know what's really there. So I think about this as you know, this distinction between what we feel versus what we know. So that's what, that's what I think my experience showed me is like it, it helped me to know something that I forgot umpteen times most of the time <laughs> over the last 30 years. I mean, literally most of the time over the last 30 years. And by the way, I think it was like, how old was I? It was 27 years. I don't want to age myself three years if I don't have to. So over the last 27 years since I was 16, I forgot it more than I remembered it, but that's okay. Because something in that, it it like just tethered me to, oh, there's more than what my mind makes up. And that's all I've needed, all any of us need to help to help when our mind is making stuff up to just have that little bit of suspicion to know, oh, that's right. This isn't the full truth of it. And think about it. I mean, it's like this distinction between what you deeply know and what you feel in a moment. Like with your family, like you deeply know that you love your family 
And what you might feel in a moment is that you wish they would all leave the house and leave you alone (laughs) or like they're all getting on your nerves or whatever, you know, that's fine. When we know that we deeply love them, we're fine with all of those feelings passing through on top of our knowing. They don't threaten anything. They're just feelings. They don't threaten what we know. No feeling can really threaten what we deeply know. You know, we know that the stars are out, even though most of the time we don't see them. And most of us who live in a lot of light polluted places almost never see them. But we know they're there. So I don't ever doubt that there are a bunch of stars. I just don't have the experience of seeing them often. But again, there's this difference between like when you deeply know something, your your moment to moment feelings don't actually threaten that. And I think I do think even though I feel like I really forgot this for a long time in the middle, in the middle there, um, I deeply know that the only thing, the only limitation or obstacle or anything that ever of us, any of us is ever up against is a thought, nothing else, nothing else at all, nothing that we actually care about is not possible for us, but for a thought that says it isn't, you know, and and I know that to be true. And as a human being, I have a lot of thoughts about things I can and can't do, and that's fine. It's just part of being human. But again, the scales kind of tip a bit to where what you what you feel moment to moment, oh, I don't think I'm good enough. Oh, I don't think that would work. Who am I? All of that kind of moment to moment feeling stuff. When you know What's act that you know that there there is so much anything is possible. Then the moment to moment feeling of it really doesn't subtract too much from your knowing. You know it can't really interfere with that. You kind of come to just not listen to it. You kind of come to know oh that's that's my mind saying that that's not the truth of things. And just even a tiny tiny bit of that is enough. I can't stress that enough. Like even a tiny bit of suspicion, a tiny inkling, which you all have if you listen to this podcast, that, that oh, when I feel tight and heavy and weighed down and, and bad in any way, that's showing me that I'm in a very limited version of myself, that I'm not seeing the whole, the truth of life. Just even a little inclination of that is enough. It really is to, to change so much about how we feel and what we do and just how, how we live our lives. Although it may not feel quite the same this year, it is officially the holiday season. That means it's still a time when a lot of people struggle with stress, pressure, feelings of obligation, all of which tend to lead to all the overs, overeating, overdrinking, overspending. It may look like the holiday season is a stressful time of year and all of that overing is just part of life, but of course, that's not actually true. So last year, I created a four-part video course called A Brand New Experience of the Holidays that spoke to those issues. It helped people see that holidays are not stressful. They're not inherently anything, which means they can feel like anything. This year, things are a bit different. So I created two brand new videos for the 2020 holiday season. So you'll get six videos, the four from last year on those always relevant holiday concerns, and then two brand new videos specifically about navigating holidays with social distancing, political and other differences of opinion with family members, inability to travel and loneliness, health and financial anxiety, and a lot more. 
So head over to dramajohnson.com slash holiday to watch video one completely free. And if you like what you see in video one and you want the other five, you can use the promo code changeable30 to bring the price of the full course down from $67 to just $37. So you save $30 just because you listen all the way to the end of Changeable. Holidays are not inherently stressful, even in 2020. I can't wait to see what's possible for you this holiday season. The 2021 Change Coach Training is filling up. If you're feeling drawn to this training, but you have questions or concerns, I'm doing a Q&A session on Monday, December 7th, where I'll answer all your questions and speak to the common concerns that I'm hearing. I'll also share a special business building bonus that I'll be adding to the end of the six month training. I know that anyone can make an amazing living at this, but a lot of the people I've been talking with don't know that. So this bonus is designed to give you a huge boost when it comes to getting started in your coaching practice. To register for the Q&A session, go to dramajohnson.com slash changecoachqa.com.